welcome to a recording of a short Bible-based talk from Hope Church Worcester. If you're in the area and you'd like to visit us, we would love to see you. We meet in our building called the Granary, which is located in the centre of Worcester. I am talking to you uh, today from 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 4. So I'm going to start off by reading that. Um, Feel free to find it. Um, Before I read it, it's worth just bearing in mind that uh, this was written by a guy called Paul, who most of you who've been coming to church for a while will know the guy, the Apostle Paul, who uh, wrote a large proportion of the New Testament. But this is very different to most of his writings. Uh, He wrote this uh, at a time when he thought he was going to die, when he was basically passing on the baton to the next generation. And he writes to Timothy, who's like a son to him. He doesn't have any children, but Timothy's the closest thing that Paul has to a son. And this is the the final chapter of 2 Timothy. And he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfil your ministry. And it's particularly those last three words, fulfil your ministry, that I would like to focus on today. So, um, as I've said, it's written by Paul when he was uh, coming to the end of his life, and he was uh, not really in a good place. He He's been arrested many times, and uh, often he knew that he was going to get out, whereas this time he, you could just sense he had this gut feeling that this was, this was the end. And so he's pouring out his heart to the people that he cares about most, about what he thinks is most important. Um, and he's really thinking about his legacy and what he's leaving behind. And he writes to his student, Timothy, who's not only a friend, but like I said, is more like a son, and he, he uses the word charge. And it's kind of one of those fancy words that we don't really use in that context anymore. It's quite a legal word. My sons use the word charge regularly when wrestling. They'll they'll run at me and go, charge! But that's not the kind of charge it means. It it means to burden you with responsibility, to give you a legal responsibility that you have to do. It's non-negotiable. You know, we occasionally hear it on sitcoms or in reality TVs where they've got those fancy judges that say, you know, I charge you. That they, they are passing down a sentence. Um, and we often think of it with a negative connotation, but this kind of charging is to, to, to give somebody the burden to do something because it is, it is who they are, it is what they are called to do. And it's, it's really important that we get that, that we have a burden, we have a charge from God to do what he's called us to do and to be who he's called us to be. Um, so this is the combination of Paul having lived a life for God. So no, it's going to be over soon and saying to Timothy, you're carrying on this fight for me, you're running the race for me. So I'm aware that as I talk to you, we're all at different stages in life with different backgrounds, uh, different cultures, different careers, different outlooks, and we can often view our different paths as incidental, um, looking towards the next journey and thinking what's happening next. And um, what I kind of want to share with you today is to remind you that God's placed you in this world where you are, where you're at for a specific reason, for a specific purpose, and that everything that's come before or the work you've done, or the tears you've shed, or the sweat, the concerns, the worries, and the joy is not incidental to who you are and who God has called you to be. 
In fact, it's not something that's just happened to you so that you can get through to the next phase of life. All the things, all the decisions, the circumstances that have brought you here to this place in this room when you're listening to this talk have helped to shape you and craft you to be a world changer, to go out there and to make this world a place where heaven invades earth. And sometimes we forget that. And the world needs a bit more of the kingdom of heaven here. <laughs> Just listen to what Kim says. We need more of the, more of the kingdom here. We turn on the news, we need more of the kingdom. Because the world is constantly dying. Uh, it's just the way the universe works, unfortunately. Uh, I'm going to go into a bit of physics and chemistry, um, but not, not too deep, don't worry. Um, but the law of entropy. Um, so if you don't know what that means, you will have seen it, you will have experienced it. The universe starts ordered, and it slowly moves towards disorder. That's what the principle means. So uh, to put that in context, I'm told by my wife that the British thing to do is to tidy your house before guests come over. Um, and that's not because I'm not British, it's because I'm not very good at tidying. Um, but my point is this. Wherever you live, if you've ever had come, kids come to your house, you'll understand the law of entropy. So if you don't, come around to our house when the boys are asleep and see what the house looks like. And then see what happens once they wake up. That's the law of entropy in action. As life happens, things start to get messy. Things start to get worse. And actually, you just have to look around to see that happening in our world. And that's not God's original plan. Um, it can be infuriating um, when you consider some of the injustice that's out there. But actually, we have the answer to that justice. Yeah. And our job is to take that justice and to take that answer into this world. So, um, that's what's happening, uh, and you've been called to be the hands and feet of Christ in this world. So, you're called to be the hands that pick up the toys and put the room back together after the boys have made a mess. Um, so, it's worth thinking about what does that actually mean, because I think we all know that head knowledge, but sometimes it's worth digesting it and making it into that heart knowledge. So, when Jesus came into this world, God, who's the one who infused the world with life, stepped into it because we, humanity, kept destroying ourselves. We kept killing each other, kept launching wars, oppressing the weak, taking from the widow, destroying ourselves as humanity with all various different ways that I'm sure you don't need me to go into. Now, obviously, it's the collective we. I hope most of you out there aren't launching wars or killing people, but if you are, you need to stop. Um, but jokes aside, in all of the destruction, God, out of his great tremendous love for us, says, I am going to enter into this world. Um, and we read an account in Matthew 8 that most of you, if you've come to church for a while, will know, um, where he takes the leper, who's someone who's unclean, and makes them clean. Uh, but sometimes we can become over-familiar with these stories and not really think about the lives that are changed through interactions with Jesus. Because to remind you, lepers in society would never be touched. They had to walk around, wherever they were, saying, unclean, unclean, declaring that they're not worthy to be in everyone else's presence because their leprosy could spread to those who they touched, and that the death that they had contracted would spread to others. And so they weren't allowed to walk around society, and most of us know these stories, but we don't really know what it's like. Uh, as a church, we're quite touchy-friendly people. We're quite huggy. Just meet Brian and Pat and hang out with them for a bit, and you'll soon find out what that means. <laughs> but even if you're not, imagine not getting a hug from your family, from your loved ones. Just think about when you came here just this morning, in church, how many times have you received a hug or a handshake or a high five or sometimes that weird amalgamation where you go for one and somebody goes for another? Yeah. But 
I think what helps us with this, if we've recently gone through COVID and our realization of how much we needed others to feel human and how being exposed to that as a permanent way of being would do to us. I mean, two years was hard and even then we still had our bubbles. But rather than going through it together as a nation for the good of all, these lepers were being shunned on the side whilst everyone gets that normality and gets that inclusivity and they had to just watch and stand from the sidelines telling everyone how unclean they were. And uh, Jesus, when he walks into the situation, he doesn't remove himself. He reaches out and he touches the leper. Because instead of death going from the leper to Jesus, life flows from Jesus to the leper. And it's really important to remember that when we go out, we carry Jesus' life or we give that to the people that we touch. Now, uh, I wasn't sure whether to mention this um, as it can't really be proven. I'm just going to put it out there right now. It is a theory. Um, but when I was reading up on some stuff, I came across this, and I thought it was an interesting and a bit of a challenging theory. Um, so unfortunately, most of you will be aware that the way the church is perceived outside our walls can be quite negative. Not always, but it can be. But particularly in certain historical periods and events, often the limelight isn't too flattering. Um, and there was a large period of history where generally people consider the Roman Catholic Church as it was to be a little corrupt. Now, I don't say that to dismiss the Roman Catholic, but just the context of this is important. Because I read a theory about why people speculate this has happened. Um, and it was actually due to the plague, the Black Death. And that when Europe was being thrown into trials and tribulations, so um, it was an estimated that a third of the continent was wiped out, it was actually the Catholic priests in particular that went and cared for the sick, knowing that doing so would cost them their lives. They would stretch out their hands and went into the homes of those that needed them. And as a result, it's believed that many came to Christ at the cost of their own lives. So people were succumbing to the Black Death and the clergy were having to give their life for what they believed in. And I don't imagine that was an easy decision, to know you're going into a place where you won't come out. <coughs> to bring hope to others is ultimately what we're called to do. We're called to go into this world, no matter how difficult, and bring hope to others. Carrying your cross isn't easy. Jesus makes that quite clear. That what I'm going to charge you with today, I use that word charge, isn't going to be an easy task. If it was, we'd be doing it already. And I do think some of us are. But I think as a church, we can get better. Um, but the point is, because people gave their lives, there was a hole left where, you know, morally things went a bit dubious and it tarnished the memory of what had actually happened. What had actually happened, thank you, is a group of people saw the need that God had for his people and acted and responded. And that's really important that we do that. You, know, you just have to hear about the refugees or the children without parents or the grieving parents or the people that are sat in the cold not knowing what's going to happen and unable to pay their bills. We are called to be light in those situations. Sometimes at a cost to ourselves. So, uh, that was supposed to be a bit of an aside, but we're fun and games. <laughs> like I said, that can't be proven, but there is something that sits in my heart that thinks, actually, even if it's not true, I kind of want to believe it to be true, because I, I want to feel as convicted as those people to make a change to the world that God has put me in. So are we for willing to forsake all of it to touch the leper, to comfort and to become contagious? And are we willing to stretch out our hand to bring life where there is death? And I'm hoping, a spoiler alert, that your answer will be yes. Um, so, back to Jesus' time. Um, again, uh, you'll know in Mark 5, 
most of you about the story of the woman uh, who was bleeding, uh, we're told, for 12 years, who couldn't walk around in society. And they had to be outside because, again, they were ceremonially unclean. And 12 years is a long time. 12 years for something that wasn't their fault. The shame she must have carried upon her because we don't always, again, see this when we think about it. She was walking in the midst of crowds of her own people, probably having to wrestle with herself in the knowledge that she knows she shouldn't be there. So grappling with the fact that she wasn't telling anyone when she knew she should, that she was unclean. The shame she must have carried for disobeying the laws of her forefathers in that kind of weird tension of wanting to do what she thinks is right, but also when doing something that's right is also something that is wrong. And living in that tension and kind of not being able to just be at ease with herself, let alone the physical pain she's in. So have you never noticed <laughs> there's the time when we're intentionally doing the wrong things that are more hurtful than when it's accidental? I find this often as a parent. You know, when, when my boys make a mistake because they have no idea, they're kind of like, okay, this is a teaching point. When they deliberately do something and they know that they're doing it, that's a lot more hurtful for them as well as me. They understand the impact that has on our relationship. And actually, this woman understood the impact her, well, what her decisions were having on her own self and her relationship with God as well as with the people around her. She wasn't able to be honest and be open and be herself with them. Um, anyway, as you know the story, she touches Jesus. And instead of contracting the laws and cleanliness from her again, Jesus passes on his new life to her. There's a theme here. Yes. The bleeding stops. When she touched him, he feels the force of life go from him to her. He reinfuses her with life and reintroduces her to society, and he gives her her life back. The leper was intentional. He went and touched, but there's also times when people come and touch us and they get something from us. Yes. You're not always aware when you're sharing the kingdom with people, but people are aware of the kingdom that you bring. Uh, if you want a literal image of death coming back to life, uh, there's Luke chapter 7. A dead boy was raised because Jesus, again, when he touches the boy's dead body, death isn't passed to Jesus, but life is passed to the dead. And then, later, Jesus says this, and this is really powerful, and we hear it probably a bit too much, but also not enough. And what I mean is, we can often become apathetic to the word of God and what he says to us. And we need to see it fresh and new and pray for that. The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord to send workers out into his harvest field. Yeah. And funny enough, when he does that, he then multiplies. Yeah. So it, it wasn't just a airy-fairy, this would be a nice thing. This is a truth. There is a harvest field, and, and if you pray for the workers and they get sent out, the work will be done. Sometimes we just have to, as workers, go out and also pray for others to do so too. He multiplies all that he'd been doing. So preaching, teaching, and healing, and he passes that on to the disciples that are with him. And he says, now you're my hands and feet into this dying world. You are commissioned, just as I bring life into this world. I'm going to now sit at the right hand of the Father, and now you go and bring life into this world. That's a slight paraphrase, but basically, he's saying, well, I'm going to sit with my Father now. Now it's down to you. I've shown you what to do. I've given you examples. I've lived it. You've lived with me. You've learned from me. Now go and do what I've shown you to do. It's your turn. My job as a parent isn't to do everything for my kids. My job is to make my parents and my kids not need me anymore. That's how I'll know I've done a good job, if they don't need me anymore. Yeah. Sometimes we kind of expect Jesus to do everything. And he can, and he will, but sometimes he wants you to go and do something. If I'm always spoon-feeding my children, they're never going to learn how to pick up that spoon and feed themselves. There's got an element of us actually exercising those faith muscles and going and doing. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. 
went off on one. Um, <laughs> but you might be sitting here thinking, and this is often particularly for British tendency, me, how? Because we like to be falsely humble. Um, and, but some of you are genuinely humble, and God loves your humility, but you're missing out on the fact that he wants you to go with courage and boldness. Come on. That's also one of the things that he wants for you. So, it's a really weird concept when you think about it. Jesus took 12 disciples, uh, which most of them were completely educated, and uh, just from reading the accounts, they're not people I would have chosen. And that's, that's and, you know, just goes to show I can't do a better job than Jesus. Because with, with my mind, I would have chosen somebody who is, you know, a real political power or somebody who had masses of followers or someone who was trending on TikTok, you know. But Jesus didn't. Jesus took 12 completely ordinary people and trained them to bring life into the world. And because of that, you and I know Jesus today. We wouldn't be sat in this room if it wasn't for those people who stretched out those faith muscles and went as Jesus told them to do and did what Jesus told them to do. And because of their work, they changed the world. And if you don't know Jesus today, come talk to someone, please, um, that you know and trust here. Um, we, we would love, as a church, to stretch out our hand and give you new life today. Um, and I'll go into that a bit more later. But it's one of those really cheesy things people at the front do that I never like, but it's important. I want you to look around. So look at everyone in this room. You might have to make eye contact. Um, but the point is, when you look around, the chances are you don't see those 11 uneducated men because there wasn't 12 in the end, because Judas Iscariot. But you see the fruits of their faithfulness. You are here because of them. And the irony is, if you're actually sat in this room, statistically, this isn't an exaggeration, you're apparently more educated than 99% of human history. So let alone those 11 men. So if they could do it, there's no point in us being falsely humble. We can do it too. We've got the same examples of Jesus in our word. We've got the same Holy Spirit that dwells within us. We've got the same authority given to us from Jesus. Yes. There isn't any excuse why we can't do it, apart from us getting in the way. So, Jesus is the same God. He hasn't changed. He can't. His heart for the nations is exactly the same now as it was then. Jesus has called you and equipped you to be a world changer and to infuse this world with life. And again, this isn't in my notes, but we can get kind of unintentionally sucked into the culture that we're in. We can think everything is about us and it's about our nation and about our society and our culture and our family, but that's not God's plan. God's plan is to be outward-looking. Yes. We're not called to be insular. Our church isn't called just to meet on a Sunday and, and to have little meetings with each other. That's important, but that's to equip us to go. Yeah. Come on. That's a really important thing that we need to get hold of. Yes. And a lot of us people in this room are doing that, and that's brilliant. Yes. Keep doing it. <laughs> right. Sorry, tangent. So, some of you are listening to me, Dad, and going, yeah. <laughs> and some of you are thinking, Tom, I'm an accountant, don't really know how that works. Or, I am a student at college, and you're my youth leader, and you're a bit weird. Uh, but how am I supposed to change the world? However you're feeling sitting in that chair, the good news is it doesn't depend on what you think about yourself. The good news is it depends on what Jesus thinks about you and what Jesus thinks about the world out there. Yes. And God wants to use you in whatever capacity you are in, whether you are a student at college, or whether you are an accountant, or whether you are my dad, in whatever capacity you are, to spread life, to spread his truth, and to combat death. The eternal life that we get by knowing Jesus is to be shared. Now, this isn't a surprise to you. One of the hardest and most unnatural things to do is to keep good news to ourselves. Yes. I've got tickets to see my favourite artist, or I've got the job! 
I passed my exam, we're getting married, we're having a baby, I met Tom Blow, probably the highlight of your life. Um, but all of those, probably apart from the last one, apart from for Meg, that's probably quite an important one for Meg, um, at least I hope so, <laughs> are important life events um, that we want to share. And we invite people to those events, and we talk about them, and we, you know, now we've got social media, we put them on there for everyone to say, look at my meal that I ate, it's really exciting. <laughs> When we, when, we, when we think about it, it's a bit random. And yet we find talking to somebody about life, eternal, awkward. Sorry. I am convicted myself of this as well, by the way. I'm not just speaking to you thinking that I'm the perfect person. I am definitely not. Ask my wife. Or ask my dad. Or ask anyone who's spending length of time with me. But the point is, we need to change our perspective to be kingdom perspective. Because all those other life important, sorry, all those other life events are important. But again, if you don't know Jesus yet, you haven't met the best news. You haven't got, received the best news that there is. And uh, you know, Christians use fancy words. We call it the gospel. It just means good news. That's literally what it means. It's the truth that God entered into this world to pray, sorry, not to pray, to pay your burdens for you. Um, by dying for you so that you can know God forever if you just accept his payment and follow him. That's it. If, you know, if I had a handheld mic, I'd terrify Simon and do a mic drop moment because that's it in a nutshell. That's the gospel. I wouldn't do that to Simon, so don't worry. Um, but the point is... There, there's our own mic drop. Um, but the point is, it is done. <laughs> oh, it's actually the mic. There you go. God's on my side. Okay. <laughs> Again, sorry, Simon, that wasn't me, it was Isaac. Uh, but the point is, it is done, it is finished. We're not having to do anything. It isn't based on you. It isn't based on you feeling like you can. It, it helps, but it's not necessary. One of the things that makes me really happy is I read the Bible and I see all these people that basically go, I can't do this. Moses pleads with God not to be used, and he ends up writing the first five books of the Bible and leading the people into the promised land. He doesn't get to go there himself, which is unfortunate, but... He's a pretty key guy, but the whole point is he didn't think he was worthy. He didn't think he could do it. That's the place he came from. Look at Gideon. Saved his nation. Why? Because he just did what he was told. He believed in what God said to him, even when it was counter to what he actually thought. Okay, I've, I've got an army. Yeah, that's too many. What? <laughs> yeah, that's too many. People will say that you did it because you got a good army. Oh, okay. You know they've got weapons, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and we haven't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we just got like pitchforks and scythes. Yep. And you want us to make our army smaller? Yep. Cool. Obviously, that's not how the conversation went, but you get how Gideon must have felt. But did he go, oh, mm, mm. okay, won't do it then? No. He was obedient and he went and he did as God called him to do and he saved his nation. Yes. You are called to save the nation that you're in by being obedient. Sorry. Well, not sorry at all. Um, the point is, eternal life awaits all of us who've accepted Christ. But, 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 what I'm trying to tell you is that doesn't start when we die. It starts now. Yes. One of the things we sometimes get wrong, we being Christians, I don't think we'd get this wrong as a church, if I'm honest, but is we focus on the eternity that we're going to have. We, we focus on that day where we're in heaven 
celebrating and worshipping. And that is important, and we do need to hold on to that. But when God has come into your life, the kingdom has come now. Yes. It's not, there's a bit of not yet, but it's also here. Yeah. And we have to live in that. The kingdom of God is at hand, and it's breaking in now. You know God, the eternal king, now, and you can introduce life to others now. Yeah. That's your purpose. That's why you're alive. That's why Paul says, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now, the obvious bit to go to is, what's your ministry? So, I'm just going to blow my nose. I know, sexy. So, I'm being inappropriate just to wind Jane up. Why have you got the life you've got? The career, or the relationships, or the dreams, or the hobbies... Most likely, it's not because you flipped a coin. And perhaps counterintuitive to what you might think, it probably wasn't because you just felt like it. The Psalms tell us that he who loves the Lord, the Lord gives him the desires of his heart. You might have got a degree in art. It wasn't an accident. You might love nurturing children and seeing them grow and releasing their potential. That wasn't circumstance. You might love playing football with your mates. The Lord gave you that desire. We're all very different in this room. I have to listen to Dad talk about golf so much. (laughs) We're different in that respect. We're similar in many others, but we're not in that respect. But that's good, because he can talk to his golf mates about golf, and I can talk to my mates about real life about real life. (laughs) But the point is, where you are put and where you are placed is where you're meant to be. It's not an accident. It's not an accident that Colin can shred a guitar like no one. Because actually, he can talk to musicians, and that's something he can have in common. If you have the burden of supporting Liverpool this year, you know, it's a shame. Sorry about that. I wasn't going to bring it up, Joel. But it's commonality that you can share with people. There's a reason why we all think and like different things. It's a beautiful thing. Sometimes we get annoyed that Christians aren't all like us. It's good. Because we need more Christians with more difference to go out and meet other people who are different. So if there's someone in church who's a bit weird, good. That, That weird person is somebody else's friend that you couldn't talk to and you wouldn't have something in common with. And if you think I'm weird, good. Because that means there's people that I can reach that you can't. And I need to do that. That's my job. And your job is to meet the people where you are. Anyway, uh, where did I get to? Again, gone off topic. Uh, Yes, the point is this. We can all reach the world. uh, And that is who you are. Don't forget who you are because you're not an accident. Now, I don't know all your circumstances. Maybe your parents might have thought you were an accident. But regardless of what you've been told, God wants to release you from any of that and reaffirm that you are his intention. The church is his intention and you individually and corporately are his plan and his handiwork. And you're not on his own. Like I said, God gives us church. Hallelujah. Some days it can feel a little more hallelujah than others because sometimes church is hard. But church is a phenomenal place to learn and grow. It isn't easy. Uh, When we leave these walls, we're often thrust into a world where the prevailing culture is completely opposite of what we believe. The idea of life is that it's pointless, meaningless, and just leads to death. Most of the people that you know, if you think about them, their frame of reference will be, might as well eat and drink because for tomorrow we die. That's their outlook. Because they're missing the good news that we have for them. That's a world without hope. I'm going to let you in a little secret. We're called Hope Church. We're called to export our communities hope, to bring hope to where we go. 
Whether you're having a good time in church at the moment or a bad time in church at the moment, you are called to be Hope Church. You are called to take hope to wherever you go. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes life is tricky, and that's okay. But you can still carry hope. In fact, how you model suffering, how you model conflict, how you model the tough bits are often what speaks to people better than walking around with a smile on your face all the time being a happy-go-lucky Christian. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Some of you carry joy really well. But also, don't pretend like you have to pretend. Because you don't. I can stand up here and cry like a baby. It's not good. I don't feel great about it, but I know I can. Because this is the point. We're called to be ourselves. We're called to show who God's called us to be. I'm made to be compassionate about people. That's okay. I'm okay with that. And some of you are called to be vulnerable, and that's okay. And we deal with situations differently. Some of you, you stay away from them because you can't handle it. And there's an element of being safe and responsible about that. But there's also an element of being truthful and living it through with people. Okay? Now, you need to do that sense of being respectfully and prayerfully, but we're called to be salt and light in places, not out of places. Yeah. And we need to be in those places to be the salt and light. So, some of you uh, may not be feeling the whole exporting hope thing. Um, you may be more like the world out there, thinking, what am I living for right now? And, that's a, that, you know, and also, don't feel bad if that's you. You've got to work through these things. You can't just believe something because I've told you. You've got to work through this with God in your own quiet time. So please find that quiet time. It's important. Now, I'm telling you, the reason that you're alive, the reason that you're a child of God, is to spread life into this world, to do the work of an evangelist and to fulfill your ministry. We often have, um, well, again, this isn't in my notes, and I probably shouldn't say it, but I'm going to anyway. There are a lot of good things about New Frontiers, Lots of really good things about New Frontiers. I think the one thing that I would possibly level at it is our ability to understand that we are all evangelists and not just have a few evangelists that we send is probably one of the things that we don't do very well. We are all called to evangelise. Evangelists equip us to do that. We all have a responsibility to go and take the word where we are. It's not the responsibility of a few people that have a better gifting than us. Yes, they've got a better gifting than us. Yes, there are people that are better at me at doing certain things, so I let them do it. But that doesn't mean that I can't also have a go where I'm at. I know people that are carpenters, they do a much better job of making a table, but that doesn't mean I have to pay them, I can try and make one myself. It wouldn't be as good, but at least I can take pride in the fact that I've done it myself, and actually I'm learning whilst I'm doing it, and I'm learning a lot about me, and I'm learning a lot about God. And actually sometimes we have to take that step to learn a lot about ourselves, when it's too easy to look at the people at the front and let them do the work. Church isn't about the people at the front. The people at the front are there to serve you, so that you can go and do what you need to do. Sorry, tangent. Um, so, you... I'm going to skip that bit because of time. Um, uh, yeah, there we go. I'll go into this bit. So, most of you will know that we've got two lovely little boys, at least I think they're lovely, um, and they're currently being looked after by some of our amazing volunteers downstairs. So, just an aside, don't forget to encourage people that are serving your children um, or serving in any capacity. Encouragement is really important and it's biblical, and sometimes we forget and we take things for granted. We've got a really great team that serve us and it's really important just to say thank you to them so please do that that isn't part of the preach but just thought we should say um but let's cultivate gratitude um that's another teach for the day the point is i want to talk to you now as if you're one of my boys as if i have responsibility for you because the point is if i'm standing here i kind of do whether i want it or not the point of this is to be responsible to give you a message right now and i i know it seems a bit weird but i want you to imagine there's that relationship because that's how paul's talking to timothy as if it's his own son. And the way that I treat my son is different to the way that I treat someone else's son. I'm probably a bit harder on them than I am with the kids in my class. 
but that's because I love them more, and I want to cultivate them more, and I want to grow them more. And likewise, I lavish more upon them. So phrases like treating you like my son can seem a bit foreign in our culture. Um, so look past that and hear what I'm saying, um, and go with it, because hopefully I'll bless you. Um, but the point is, we are a family, and we're fulfilling our ministry together. Um, I don't want you to feel like you are just doing this as one person. The reason why I want to talk to you as a son is because you need to get this message. You are an adopted heir, yeah. a son of God or a daughter of God, a prince or princess, sent to combat for the kingdom in this world of darkness, and you can bring life with the words that you speak. You can bring life as you reach out to the people in your home, in your workplace, at the pub or in the field. Courage and conviction can be yours. I want my boys to go out and go into school and to be salt and light where they go. Yeah. I don't want them to be like their friends. I want them to be liked by their friends, but that's not the most important thing. I want them to show their friends that there's hope beyond this world, that actually the way that they can show care and compassion and love can shape the culture of where they are, to shape the culture rather than to be shaped by it. So it's a strange thing when you think about it. Uh, when you get that courage of conviction, you can go into enemy fire, you can go into lands riddled with disease, you can speak out against oppression and trafficking and darkness and not worry because you have eternal life. And what's more, he's already overcome the world. He being Jesus, you know this. He has overcome the world. So therefore, we've overcome the world because we've got his inheritance. So I've seen deaf ears opened. Been thrilled enough to go with Dad when he often goes and preaches for people and prays for them. And I remember being... 1718, and there was, yeah. a, there was a girl who hadn't, wasn't able to hear at all, and then it was opened. But that's a story that you haven't seen, so I've seen people who have had to be stuck in wheelchairs get up and run. Yeah. Isn't that right, Claire? It is. <laughs> I've seen financially dire situations like buying and doing up a building well out of our budget mm-hmm. come to pass. God is a God of miracles. Yes. God didn't stop doing miracles. God's still doing miracles. You're called to do miracles. Yes. You're called to do all the things that Jesus did and more. Yeah. God is able to do immeasurably more than you ask or imagine. You know it in your head, but then you look at yourself or you look at me and you think, what can God do with him? What can God do with me? You need to change that to, what can God do with me? It's the same words, but it's the feeling. Rather than feeling, what can God do with me? What can God do with me? Yes. You're ready to be used. Yeah. There's no point buying a Ferrari and letting it sit in your garage. Come on. It needs to be taken for a drive. And some of you are Christians that are sitting in your garage. Yes. What's God got for you? Yeah. Where are you at? Do you work? Are you unemployed? If you're unemployed, <laughs> great, that's an opportunity. Yeah. I unfortunately, well, I say unfortunately, I've taken a time out and doing some supply work at the, at, at the moment. This week, I had no work. Or I had one day's worth of work. That sucked. I'm going to be honest. Sorry, sucked. I don't know if you're know, supposed to say that in church. But <laughs> the point is, what did I do with that time? Do you know what? I prayed. It sounds silly, but I prayed. And I actually prepared for this preach, and I did some other things as well that normally I wouldn't have the time to do. I called a couple of my friends. I had some chats and found out some things that were really important that I wouldn't have known otherwise. Where you are called to be, you have got an opportunity to be God's salt and light in that place. Don't see it as something that just happens to you. See it as something that you do because of who God's called you to be. Anyway, and again, another tangent. Blame my dad. He's killing nah. tangents. So, uh, I'm going to wrap it up soon. My niece recently had a birthday. Um, she's eight. And she asked my parents for a necklace with a cross in it. 
And it's one of those things now that most of the world wouldn't bat an eyelid to that. But I want to remind you something. God took the cross, which is probably the most, most worst, that's grammatically not correct, which is probably the worst thing that has ever happened in human history, and turned it into a symbol of peace and love. Think about it. The death of God at the hands of those whom he created, the people he loved, hating him so much that they flay and kill him, he took the worst thing that ever happened in human history and he turned it into the best thing that ever happened in human history, this, our salvation for all eternity. If he can do that with the cross, if he can do that with an instrument of death, of punishment and torture, and turn it into a symbol of peace, love and beauty that an eight-year-old girl wants to have around her neck as jewellery, how much more they can he do with you who is willing to do good things for him? How much more can he do with you? And again, you might be sat there thinking, I've sinned, I've made mistakes, you don't know what I've done. Good, and I don't need to right now. But our God has done more to save you, to redeem you, and you, and, and you can introduce his miraculous hope into the world regardless of your past. The amazing thing is we find it hard to forget our sins. God doesn't. We're not in control of our memory. God is. God can choose to forget. Yeah. He's very clear that he does. He chooses to forget those things that you might be grappling with. It's worth remembering. Because it's a miraculous hope. People are still being healed. People are still being saved eternally. People are still encountering a miraculous God even today. Do you want to live just a normal life? Because you can. It won't satisfy you. <laughs> you can think about your next career move, the next holiday, your BMI. Those things in themselves aren't bad. But I want to live you in your life, an identity as a child of God, as a conqueror of the grave and eternal life to spread life into this world. And I charge you, brothers and sisters, to fulfill your ministry. You were created for much more than they say. Christians, which is mini-Christ, that's what it means. That's what you're called to be, mini-Christs. Go into the harvest field and work. If 11 disciples could change the world, how much more can we? Be full of joy, love one another, forgive one another. Remember that you are children, sons and daughters, prince and princesses of the king. I love being a son. I love my parents. And unfortunately, that's rarer than it should be. We've already heard about this morning. And I just want to pray for you, those of you that have come from fractured relationships within your families where your earthly example of parenthood and family isn't the same as what God intended it to be. And I pray for restoration and peace in your hearts, as well as the knowledge that your Father in heaven is far greater than any earthly family could be to you and can find family in his church here today. And that you know his unchanging heart for you, his steadfast love, his consistent presence, his loving gaze. Again, another tangent. Um, but I know often we end in a prayer, but today I'm going to end in a charge because... <laughs> That's what it's about. It's a call and to action. It's something that you are required to do. You may need to think strategically about relationships. Who can I invite to what? Um, so I'm going to use an example. I've just checked this morning whether it's okay, so I'm good to go with it. Um, but Simon Boniface at the back. Simon, give us a wave. He's the PA king. Um, most of you won't know this, um, but Simon is my uncle's brother. So what I mean is my auntie married his brother. Um, and I call him Uncle Siphon, and that might be why you might be confused when I do that. Um, but when he first moved to the area, which is about 30 years ago, um, my uncle got in touch with my dad and said, look, Simon's moved to the area. He needs a bit of support. Uh, can you look out for him? And so dad went, great, I can do that. So dad invited him to a New Year's party. Problem is, there wasn't a New Year's party. So dad, along with the church, created a party to invite Simon to yep. so that he could be looked after and so that we could be salt and light to him. And he's now here. And he now has a son who's one of my best friends, Hailey. Um, and one of the things that I think is amazing, which really touched me this morning, is that Lee and Lorna are doing an amazing job of everything they do, but they're also fostering right now. Yeah. And, and that love that they're showing comes 
pretty much from a decision to throw a party for someone over 30 years ago. All of that serving in church, all of that kids' work, all of the stuff through COVID, all of the loving their children and bringing them up in a Christian home, all of that going and sharing the gospel with their families, all of this amazingness that we've seen, Claire's healing, all these sorts of things, all that circumstance came from someone being strategic and going, do you know what, I should probably do something. Now, this isn't a, my dad's really great, he's really not. He is in some ways, but trust me, <laughs> I imagine, I imagine if... Imagine if I was working with him to arrange this party, he would have got right on my nerves because he's not great at that sort of thing. But the point is, the value of that was seen by the church and actually, they didn't do that knowing what would happen. They do that because we love someone and we're called to do these things because we love people. We're called to love these people, whether you get on with them or not. Right, I'm getting that look and that means I need to finish and I do need to finish. Um, right. Point is this. Even when we are failing... God is willing. If 11 disciples could change the world, how much more can we be? Can we do it? Go, be full of joy, love one another, forgive one another, remember that you are children, sons and daughters, prince and princesses of the king, go and fulfill your ministry. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the talk. Further information about Hope Church can be found at www.hope-church.org.uk Thank you for listening.